Let us pray. Lord God, we sing praises to you because you are our hope and our salvation. Open our hearts to receive your word this day. Amen. Fear and desperation. I saw fear and desperation for the first time when I was only nine years old. I'll never forget our arrival in the airport in Cusco, Peru. We went to the baggage claim area and we picked up our bags. We were getting ready to leave and a couple of children came up and asked my father for some money. He casually reached into his pocket and handed out a few coins. And instantly we were surrounded by 20 or 30 children, all clamoring and begging for money. We were panicked. We grabbed our bags as fast as we could. We ran to the curb and picked up a taxi, threw our bags into the trunk, got into the car. My parents carefully shut the door so as to not jam the fingers of any of the children who were still reaching and screaming. And as the cab sped away, I looked out the back and I saw one little girl running after us, crying, and then she fell face forward into the pavement. Fear and desperation. That's what the people of Israel were feeling in the passage of scripture we are about to read. They had been traveling for six weeks. They had exhausted all the stores that they had taken with them when they had left Egypt in such a rush. And as they looked ahead, there stretched the wilderness of sin, nothing but desolation. And they were terrified. They faced the prospect of, starv of starvation. Listen to what the writer of Exodus says to us about what happened next. Exodus 16 verses 1 through 12. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hands of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they had gathered on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard you complaining against the Lord. And for what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, 
but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. The writer of the book of Exodus tells us the people were complaining. I don't think that word quite expresses what the people of Israel were doing at that point. I think they were screaming. I think they were panicked. And I think they were yelling out loud, complaining to Moses and Aaron. What? Did you bring us out here in the desert to die? We would have been better off in Egypt. I love the honesty of the people, how willing they were to say exactly what was on their mind, and who can blame them? As they looked out over this desert that spanned as far as the eye could see, it was nothing but a hellscape, and they faced the prospect of starvation. They'd seen God work in miraculous ways. They saw plague after plague visited upon the people of Egypt. They'd seen the Red Seas parted. They'd seen Pharaoh's army swallowed up as they were able to make their escape. But still, they were terrified. They didn't know what to expect. I love their honesty. I love the fact that they were willing to say exactly what was on their mind. And I love the fact that they complained to their leaders. But the truth of the matter was their leaders couldn't help them. There was nothing Moses and Aaron could do to help them in that situation. They needed God. They needed a miracle. And as we read this morning, God heard them. Now, we heard in the part of scripture that talks about the burning bush that God heard the cries of his people because of the harshness of their taskmasters. And God hears them again as they're facing starvation in the wilderness of sin. And God didn't strike the people down for their irreverence or for their complaining or for their lack of faith. He listened. He heard them. Have you felt desperate at some point in your life? I know I have. There are at least two times that I can think of when I felt desperate. One time, Ann mentioned a few years ago in a sermon that we had just moved up here from North Carolina. I was going to pursue my continuing education in becoming a pastoral counselor. And we could find no affordable housing. And on top of that, we had a dog. And nobody wanted to rent to a dog. Another time was when my mother was in the end stages of alcoholism and she was living in North Carolina. And I was running back and forth between here and North Carolina and trying to take care of my family, trying to take care of my mother, and trying to take care of a full client load. And I was absolutely exhausted. I was at my wit's end. 
And both times, I got on my knees desperate and prayed to God for help. Were there times when you have felt desperate, when you've cried out to God for help? I think most of us have at one time or another, whether we are facing a serious illness, a diagnosis of cancer, whether we're feeling, having the experience of a broken relationship, of a divorce, of the death of a loved one, a financial crisis. All of us, at one time or another, have felt like our needs exceeded our abilities and that we needed help from God. And lately, it feels like we're all the ones who are facing a hellscape. Hundreds of thousands have died from COVID-19, and hundreds of thousands more will die. Millions are out of work. We're facing an economy that's in shambles, and our country is torn apart by civil unrest and violence. We're in the midst of a bitter political fight, only made more bitter this week. We're so divided that we can't even speak to each other with respect when we disagree. And our country is on fire and underwater. With all this going on, I think that more than ever, we need to hear the message that God cares. God hears us when we cry out in pain. God heard the cries of the people of Egypt, and God hears our cries today. God sits with us when we're hurting. But the good news doesn't stop there. The good news is that God not only listens, but he acts. The God we worship isn't just some holy counselor in the sky. God is involved. God just doesn't sit there. God does something. God acts with compassion. God fed the people of Israel. God gave them manna, their daily bread. God gave them meat to eat in the evening and even provided water to keep them from dying of thirst. And there's even more better news. God came to earth and got directly involved in human life. God personally suffered. He became human. God so loved the world, we are told, that God came to be here with us on the earth. Jesus came to walk with an oppressed people. He healed the sick, cured the lame, fed the hungry, and in short, showed them the very face of God. Listen to this story from Matthew's Gospel. The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew, the 14th chapter, verses 13 through 20. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. 
They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. from Matthew's Gospel, we find that Jesus has gone out to a lonely place. He's been with the crowds and now he needs to get away. He has just learned that John the Baptist, his cousin, has been murdered by Herod and he's sick at heart. He needs some personal space. But does he get it? No. He is surrounded and mobbed by people who follow him wherever he goes. And unlike we who were in Cusco Airport, he didn't run away from the clamoring crowd. He stayed with them. He took pity, as Matthew tells us. He took pity on the people. He spent time with them. He listened to them. He cured them. And then he fed them. The Jesus that we know had a ministry of compassion. He wept for his friend Lazarus. He walked among the sick and the broken. He reached out in love. He cried for Jerusalem. And yes, he cried for himself in the Garden of Eden. And he even cried out from the cross. He's known all human suffering. He took it on himself. He's taken on all human frailty. He was humiliated, he was beaten, and he was executed as a pretender to the throne. Isaiah tells us he was despised and rejected by humankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Because God came to earth and suffered as we suffer, we know we are not alone. And not only that, we know that God is a God who can have empathy, who can feel what we feel because God felt it personally. Whether we're sick, whether we're sequestered in our homes, whether we're living in broken relationships or whether we're suffering chronic pain or terminal illness, God is right there with us. We've all heard the adage, God helps those who help themselves. Well, last week, I was listening to Christian contemporary radio and I heard a twist on that, a twist that I think is a lot more faithful to scripture. It was this, God helps those who cannot help themselves. God helps those who cannot help themselves. The people fleeing oppression in Egypt couldn't help themselves. They couldn't feed themselves. They were helpless. Scripture tells us, but while we were yet helpless, 
Christ came to us. While we are helpless, God still walks with us. If we allow it, God comes into our lives with compassion. If we welcome and embrace it, God brings miracles into our lives. Jesus knew his disciples would be lost without them. Once he died, they would flounder in grief and despair. And so preparing them for his death, he said, I will not leave you desolate. Behold, I will send you my comforter, the spirit of truth. Friends, we are living in desperate times. Thank God we don't have to live them alone. God is here. God is listening. God cares. That's reassuring. But there's more good news to the gospel. God is actively involved. God is working to bring about miracles in the midst of all this chaos. We may not get a cure for COVID-19. We may not even get a vaccine. We may not solve the problem of racial injustice. We may not be able to do much to help our world as it becomes more and more uninhabitable. And we will not elect the perfect candidates to fix our economic and political problems. But God is working miracles in our midst. God is answering our prayers. God gave the people of Israel what they needed to get through the day. And God helps us to get through each day. You know, when I'm having my doubts, I always look back on those times when I was feeling the most desperate. And I ask myself, was God there with me then? When I think about the time when I was looking for housing and desperate for my family. I remember that the very next day, we read the newspaper in the Daily Local and saw a brand new listing for a rental property. And it turned out it was a Presbyterian elder who had just put his house up for rent. And yes, he was very happy to have a dog and even two Presbyterian ministers. And that day, we not only found a home, we found a church home, and we found new friends. God worked in abundance. And remember when my mother was in the end stages of suffering from alcoholism and I was running back and forth? Well, God answered that prayer too. Very soon after that, I discovered the Al-Anon support groups and they gave me the strength and the encouragement and the clarity of purpose to get through those exhausting times. Has God answered your prayers in the past? I encourage you to think back and to draw strength from those times because I'm sure that probably all of you would say that God had. Is God giving you right now, this day, what you need to get through today? Will he not also give you what you need tomorrow? Now, this is the perfect ending for a three-point sermon. God cares, God acts, 
he has empathy, he's involved working miracles in our lives. Princeton would be happy. Unfortunately, I'm not going to let you go just yet. <clears throat> There's one more point that needs to be made. God asks us to hear the cries of those around us and to meet their needs. Little quiz. In the book of John, what's the last thing that Jesus asks Peter? Do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And what does Jesus say back? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And in Matthew 25, that we have been studying this year and trying to make real in our lives, we're told that even as we do it to one of the least of these, we do it to Jesus himself. It's been pointed out to me that the cross goes upwards and outwards. The vertical stands for our relationship to God and our grounding in God's truth and power. The, the horizontal is our reaching out to the world. God needs us to be God's hands and feet. Remember those children that swarmed my family in Cusco? Well, I remember them often. The sight of those desperate children changed my life. I heard those children and it broke my heart. I knew that I was lucky to be in that cab and not out on the street. And I think that really influenced my decision to become a pastoral counselor and to get involved in caring for others. Although I'm mostly retired now, I still sit with people, I listen, I hear their struggles and their pain, and I believe that when we are together, we are embodying Jesus Christ with us. And I believe that that has the power to transform lives. Sometimes we may wonder, where is God in the midst of all this suffering? Well, this sermon doesn't end with God. It ends with us. My last message today is maybe God needs you to care. Maybe God is inviting and empowering you to act with compassion, even to the, towards those with whom you may disagree. And maybe, just maybe, God is calling you to be the miracle in the lives of others. Let us pray. Let it begin with us, dear Lord. God, when people are hurting, help us to reach out with your loving compassion. Make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh God, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.